Coming up on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part one with Sully Baseball, where some people think it's way too early, but I don't think it's early enough to pick our division winners, American League edition today on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Super Bowl's done. Mm-hmm. Baseball's about to start. Oh, yeah. And in a ridiculous act of futility, Millard Thomas and I, are going to pick division winners way too early. Why? Because that's what we're doing. It's a Valentine's Day edition of Locked on MLB and Locked on Diamondbacks. Let's cross over, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. Hug the one you love and welcome to Locked on MLB and the Locked on MLB, Locked on Diamondbacks crossover for February 14th. 2023 this is part of the locked on podcast network where it is your team every day this is the daily podcast we talk about all the major league baseball all year long you don't believe me we were doing one on super bowl sunday that's right we dropped one during the super bowl for those of you who are listening i am your host paul francis sullivan you don't believe me look at my lower third it says sully why would i lie I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is about to begin his fifth season covering baseball for the Lockdown Podcast Network. I was previously the host of the Sully Baseball Podcast. I've produced a bunch of TV shows, directed a movie, directed some short films, been a stand-up comedian. I teach kids. I make the world a better place, and I sell built bars. But once a week, or this week, twice a week, I have this guy come and join me why don't you tell people who you are? Yeah, I don't think I have the resume of a Sully baseball like that, but I'm Miller Thomas, host of Locked on Diamondbacks. You can chat, you can catch me on all your podcasting streaming flat platforms, that is. And you can also catch me on YouTube, stumbling on my words a little bit today because it was a great weekend with the Super Bowl and Waste Management. So we're still recovering a little bit over here, Sully Baseball. But please hit subscribe to the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Please go follow us on all your streaming platforms. Please follow my personal Twitter account at CreatorThomas24. Follow the show account at Locked on Dimebacks. And Sully, I got to ask you before we start, is it too early to do predictions? The Super Bowl is over. Pitchers and catchers report this week. Is it? That's that's how late this stupid Super Bowl thing goes on. You know, this is what happens when you have the Super Bowl being played in the middle of February. This is kind of like baseball creeping into November. And next thing you know, we'll be carving Thanksgiving turkey saying, who's pitching tonight? Well, the same thing going on. The what two days before freaking Valentine's Day? I know. We're in mid freaking February. You and, gotta kind of love it. I, I well, you know, look at I'm not a football guy. I'm not. Um, but I mean, look at I watched the game. By the way, I and I will say this is not a football podcast. For a Super Bowl that was decided in the final minute of the game, um, can I have nobody complain about pace of play at the end of a baseball game than the absolute dud 
of the last minute of that game where they're like, well, they're going to try to let them score, but now they're going to stand here and let the clock run. And now we're going to stand around and now we're going to stand around like going, all right, folks, I better not hear anything about how baseball is boring to watch at the final moments. Okay. I'm not trashing football, but when I hear something said like, well, it might be a good strategy to have them score a touchdown now. And therefore they'd get the ball. I mean, I'm sorry. What? I mean, it just seemed like the last minute, which should have been, hey, look at that. It's the last minute of the game. A Super Bowl is being decided, turned into like a, a lot of like, and we're going to wait till the clock goes. Okay, look at Well, you could blame I, the refs for that, Sully, for that holding call, because then we would have got a crazy ending with the Eagles trying to kick a field goal or score a touchdown to end it. So blame the refs for that, Sully. We Don't will blame. never have an ending of a Super Bowl. Like that year was between the Rams and the Titans and the dude was tackled at the one yard line. That was the, could be, that's still, I think the greatest ending of a sporting event I've seen where everyone was going, wait, what just happened? What just happened? That's all I want is people to scream what just happened. But Hey, Hey. I'll tell you what happened is uh, we are seeing a convergence pretty soon of the end of the Super Bowl. pitchers and catchers reporting. I got to catch up on my Oscar viewing and uh, I'm, I'm an Oscar addict as big as a baseball addict. And then you're going to have the NCAA basketball tournament and the NBA is right around the corner. But guess what? It may be way too early to make predictions, but so what? It actually is a nice benchmark because pitchers and catchers are reporting. Spring training is about to begin. So we can say, okay, we can make our predictions now. Then you make your official picks at the beginning of the season. And you can kind of see where baseball could be a little fluid in the spring training. We go like, okay, going into spring training, here's who we think are the best teams. Then we may get out of spring training with a slightly different point of view. So, no, it is the exact right time for making this preliminary sense of predictions. And these will be set in stone. What do you got? Yes. And then before we even get started today, I just want to – Ask you a quick question. Don't want to go on a whole tangent. Just a quick yes or no. You just brought up the Oscar thing. Have you seen everything everywhere all at once? So yes, it's outstanding. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. I love it. Maybe my favorite movie of the year. That's all oh, yeah. I want to say about the Oscars. Yeah, it's really great. It's really great. Uh, there were some good films. I'm not, by the way, this is maybe sacrilege. I was not a huge fan of the first Top Gun. I thought the first Top Gun was Ooh. just like, whatever. It never did anything. And I was the perfect age. I was 14 years old when it came out. And I kind of like, I kind of shrugged. And I saw this one, and it was, was it well-made? Yeah. Was the scene with Val Kilmer in it really cool? Yeah. Great. And I walked away going, okay, that happened. Yeah. But I will say uh, congratulations to my fellow, my uh, uh, my college friend, and so I took many courses with in college and was a buddy of mine there, um, Aaron Kruger, mm. received an Oscar nomination for co-writing Top Gun Maverick. So for that reason, I hope it wins best screenplay for my that. friend Aaron Kruger, who's an Oscar nominee. So Sully's a celebrity. He just knows everything. I'm not a celebrity. I just know some people. But there you go. <laughs> you got that. And The Triangle of Sadness, very strange movie that I loved with a great cameo by Woody Harrelson. I thought it was outstanding. Very obscure film. Got an Oscar nomination for best picture. I said, really? And I saw it said, oh, yeah, really cool. Great. I thought it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And what was the other one I saw that I really liked? Um, oh, I'll think about it soon enough. But yeah. The, oh, um, the Banshees of Instrument with uh, Colin Farrell. 
Real, okay. I mean, it's for for Irish people. It's it was like Irish porn, basically. It's just oh. beautiful shots of not literally, but beautiful uh. shots of Ireland and everything, and uh, it was just go- and gorgeous and witty and fun, and um and oh, sometimes sad, sometimes heartwarming. But uh, the two leads are are one of Brendan Gleeson's obviously a great actor, and Colin Farrell, who is developed into a very fine actor. Uh, that was great. That was terrific. Mm. You almost sold me there for a second with that first term. I was like, oh, oh that sounds like an interesting little, yeah, that's a little pot of gold in there. That's oh. different. But I, if I were to say what's the best film of the year, I would say everything, everything all at once. Is, oh, perfect. Uh, is my favorite film this year. I still have to see All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Avatar, I haven't seen yet, and the film Tar. Any film with the word Tar in it, Tar and Avatar, I need to see both of them. And I haven't seen the Spielberg film yet, The Fabledons. Um, so I got four, four left to see, a few weeks to catch up. So and see Avatar in 3D, IMAX preferably. Yeah. But by, by, by the way, again, Sacrilege, I thought the first Avatar was, again, well-made, but I, a bit of a shrug. It was just sort of like, yeah, okay, that happened, great. You don't like yeah. the storyline of getting unobtainium? That's what they were after, unobtainium. I know. That same year, a film called uh, District 9 came out, which was another sci-fi film, which was a thousand times better than Avatar. Um, and this Yeah, year, I wouldn't rate it pretty highly, I think, District Yeah. 9. Uh, if I were to, if there was a big budget, you know, film that I would have rather seen be a nominee, uh, would have probably been Wakanda Forever, which Ooh. I liked better than I liked better than. I mean, I wasn't crazy You're about in February it. too, Sully. That's what we oh, love. Oh yes, yes, well, exactly. I'm glad. I hope Angela Bassett gets something because she's yeah, should have won for playing Tina Turner a bunch of years ago. So uh, you know, get her. But this is not locked on Oscars, <laughs> which I probably could do. I probably could do locked on Oscars. Oh, please have K Huey Kwan win an Oscar. I want to see short round because Spielberg's going to win too for directing. So you may have a Spielberg K Huey Kwan Indiana Jones of the Temple of Doom reunion. I need anyway. a pitch it to Mr. Locke, a little locked on Oscars. Okay. <laughs> I hope Harrison Ford hands out the best supporting actor just so we can see Harrison Ford give K Huey Kwan the Oscar. That'd be cool. All right, let's get back to baseball. Let's get back to baseball. Sorry, I'm sure he was short round into Temple of Doom. I'm sorry. What do you I've want seen from me? Indiana Jones, unfortunately. Sorry. Oh, what do you what do you want? Oh, God, I'm so old. I'm so old. Okay, but let's let's what what are we doing today? Hey. You didn't tell me what whether we're doing American League or National League, and I told oh. you to not tell me. So come on, come on. What, what okay, I thought you were surprising me, but let's start with the American League, Sully, and let's save the best for last with the National League. On today's podcast, we're going to go through every division. Sully's right. going to try and predict the division order based on the FanDuel odds, and then we're just going to discuss the the team that we're going to, that we think is going to win the division, the team that we think might be the biggest letdown of the division. Today is our big division predictions podcast. Now, Ooh. let me ask you a question though before we get too deep into this. Are mm-hmm. you telling me that these are the FanDuel predictions? Yeah, these are basically odds for each team to win the division and the team with the worst odds is the favorite. Well, it's about time to put that little banner down there and just let you know that we're at the midway point of the NBA season and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. 
Say that three times fast. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure and super easy to use. Then you can bet everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel lets you even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet and up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn and earn and spurn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association. This is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Dynamics crossover. As I looked panicked, realizing that we're supposed to do our first ad break before the 15-minute mark, and I saw us just yammering for another 40 minutes. I said, let's do that first ad break, shall we? Nope, let's not pull back the curtain anymore and show you how the sausage is made. Let's make some sausage in that American League East. Here's what I think FanDuel. Let me tell you what I think. These are not necessarily my picks. This is how I think FanDuel will pick them. I think the Boston Red Sox are uh, in the cellar with the boiler and the the hot water tank and a bunch of old stuff like the Christmas decorations. They're in the basement. I think the Baltimore Orioles are in fourth place. They won over their fans again with a unlikely winning season, and they rewarded their fans by doing nothing. Uh, I think third place is the Tampa Bay Rays, who despite everybody – being in a full body cast at the end of the year, still managed to make the postseason, which is interesting when you think about it. They went from a hundred, you know, they went from winning the pennant to hundred wins to being decimated with injuries, but still winning in the high eighties, which is why I think the Rays are going to be a dangerous team going into 2023. Underestimate the Rays at your own peril. I'm thinking FanDuel has them at number uh, three. I bet they have Toronto at number two, and I bet they have the return of Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon making his Bronx debut, having the Yankees defending their American League East title. This is, by the way, I cannot stress it enough. These are what I think FanDuel will pick. I actually would not agree with that order, but I think that's how FanDuel has them. Sully, you are like a mind reader of Vegas because Sully was spot on with these FanDuel predictions. Let me run through them real quick. At plus 100, five, the favorite four, to win. Five. Yeah, the, at plus 100, the favorite to win the division was the New York Yankees. At plus 220, mm-hmm. the Toronto Blue Jays at second. Tampa Bay Rays at third at plus 350. And if you want some long odds, the Orioles and Red Sox are tied for the worst odds at plus 250. Thousand, so you're spot on, Sully Baseball. But it seems like you agree with FanDuel of any of those division uh, of any of those teams in the division. Do you think any of them will be a letdown this season? Yes, I think Baltimore is going to be a letdown. Okay. I think Baltimore. Well, let me tell you where I think. I think Baltimore had a winning season this last year, and I think they're going to regress. I actually think the Orioles may finish in fifth. I think the Red Sox. I and and I don't think, and it's not because I think the Red Sox are good. The Orioles had a good second half of the season and did nothing to build upon it. The Red Sox 
have done nothing and they're they're a mess. <laughs> I think they're both, but I think there's a real good chance that they're both going to have losing records. I also think the the um, I think first place is going to be an absolute scrum because I think the Rays are healthier and going to be a lot better than people think they are. And I actually am not picking the Yankees to win the division. I am picking Toronto. Toronto had a thoroughly mediocre first half of the season last year and yet still made the playoffs. It's still at home field advantage in the wild card series. And they made a bunch of very risky moves. And we had Ruth Capulis on here who was very pessimistic, especially seeing Teoscar Hernandez go away. But they brought in good solid pitching from the trade with Seattle and Bassett. They brought in Kiermaier and other people to fill in the holes in the outfield. And they have a bunch of players who had disappointing seasons last year that if they play up to where I think they can play, I think Toronto will improve on a team that was already a winning playoff team. I think the Yankees won 99 games with everything going right the first half of the season. Now, the, they had a, the, the lousy month and a half after the All-Star break and then basically righted the ship. It became a very good team down the stretch and one that got to the ALCS and got their lunch handed to them. I think the Yankees are closer to that team in September than they were in the first half of the season. I don't think they're as bad as the team that they were after the All-Star break. I think that was a little bit of a market correction. But I think both the Blue Jays and the Yankees are going to win between 93 and 96 games. They're both very good teams. Now, the Yankees could indeed win it. But I think that a game or two are going to separate those two I'm going to say the Jays are going to win 95 games. The Yankees are going to win 93 games and the Rays are going to win 90 games and the Red Sox and Orioles are going to be sub 500. I love everything you just said there. So baseball, not much to disagree with. Maybe the only thing, if I had to disagree with something, the Red Sox and Orioles, I think I like the Red Sox a little bit more than the Orioles. I think there's a little bit more talent on Boston. I agree. Yeah. You think, I guess we didn't disagree there, but with the Orioles, I don't think they're very good. I just don't think that I think there's more talent than Baltimore, but I think Baltimore had a good second half. I think the Red Sox had a bad second half because remember they were in, they were a playoff team until around the all-star break. Yeah, um, they just had a disastrous second half. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, no, I, think, they're, I think they're both like 78 win teams. Yeah, they're probably both 78 win teams. I guess maybe the biggest disagreement I have. Let me actually get to the part where I disagree with you. So because not on the Red Sox or Orioles. It's really on the Tampa Bay Rays. The okay. Rays, I think, will have another good season. They will probably be in the mix for the postseason. But I just don't buy in the Rays as a true World Series contender. Will they potentially make the playoffs? Yes, they're always a good regular season team. I just don't love the ceiling of the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they're more of a high floor, low ceiling team. That's how they get all those wins because they're just a machine in the regular season they have a great approach when it comes to analytics but i think the analytics runs dry when you get to the postseason so i'm probably going chalk with how FanDuel has it set up tampa bay is still probably third they're still probably going to be in the mix for the playoffs but i just don't love that team necessarily i agree with you baltimore probably a letdown just because i don't I didn't have any expectations for them entering this season. I didn't have expectations for them entering last season. So for me, it's not even in the letdown. Just what I think they're going to be is not a very good team. The AL East next year. I think the Red Sox, 
have more talent maybe on paper than what we might remember. But I think just there's so much bad juju surrounding that team. I think that's why they'll suck this year. Like you said, I think it will come down to Toronto versus the Yankees. And I'm taking the New York Yankees over the Blue Jays. Look, I love some of the Blue Jays moves. I don't love trading away Teoscar Hernandez, but he got Dalton Varsho this season. I absolutely love this signing of Chris Bassett. They've made some good moves this season. But to me... I think Carlos Rodon was one of the biggest moves, if not the biggest move this free agency period, yeah. because we've been waiting for the Yankees to maybe spend some more money on a position player or just spend some more money outside the Garrett Coles on their next big time guy. That's not homegrown like an Aaron judge. And they went out there, they gave Carlos Rodon the bag. And now you have a three man combination of Garrett Cole Rodon and then Nestor Cortez with all those home run smashers in your lineup. I just trust the infrastructure. I think a little bit more than the Yankees, just because they seem to be a little bit more, more replicable year to year. I think there's a little bit more variance with Toronto where, yeah, then maybe they could win 100, 105 games, but I also wouldn't be as surprised if they were maybe on the lower side of 90 wins. I just think the Yankees are a little bit of a safer bet than them. And I love that Rodon move. Nestor Cortez, I wish he was in the WBC. He just got replaced by Kyle Freeland. I mean, talk about a downgrade from Nestor Cortez to Kyle Freeland. But I'm loving the New York Yankees in this division. I'm probably picking them, but I'm going chalk with how FanDuel had it. All right. I mean, let me just address a couple of things there. Uh, first of all, I mean, I think the Yankees could certainly win the division. And mm-hmm. I think the Rodons, I had Stacey Gotsoulias on last week, and I was talking about the thing that I like about the Rodon move was it made sure they're always throwing a major leaguer. And it takes a lot of the pressure off of Luis Severino that you know you're starting Cole Rodon. I mean, Cortez has a little injury right now. You're hoping it's not a major one if you're a Yankee fan. But then you have Severino. And you're and you, Severino is down to your fourth starter at this point. Mm-hmm. You're not asking to be an ace. Um, I am nervous by the Yankees bullpen, uh, who that became quite ordinary after the injury to King. And here's why that it is disappointing for me for Baltimore, because they turned it around and had a winning season and were on the fringe of the wild card chase and had all of Baltimore excited to finally be interested in the Orioles again and then they did nothing they did nothing significant they they, they tinkered with us in the sides a little bit but they should have made a big splash move I thought they should have been in on Correa or Bogarts or uh Swanson or someone and we all knew they weren't going to get Traitor we all knew he was mm-hmm. going to Philadelphia but they could have been in on uh Xander Bogarts they certainly could have been on Dansby Swanson they should have made a splash move at one point to signal to the fans, the team, and the baseball's like, hey, we're going to take that and build upon. Instead, they didn't. And, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to see I, – I'm. it smells like a regression year. Yeah, I think what the Orioles are doing is kind of like the N or is kind of like the AL version of the D backs, where you're just trying to build around the margins and use your younger players to develop and hope they get a little bit better and use that natural progression to make your way to the postseason because Sully. They did make a big splash. They went out there and traded for Cole Irvin, right? They signed Kyle Gibson, two big-time marquee starters in the top of your rotation. So. I, I don't mind those. Those are not bad yeah. moves. You know, they, it, as I said, sometimes it's important to have a major leaguer mm-hmm. starting a game. I just think they should, they, neither one of those are get people running to the season ticket, you know, website. Yeah, I, I think. Know. Yeah, I think the Orioles are just trying to figure out 
what's the real ceiling of these young guys that they have with the Adley Rushmans and Gunnar Hendersons? And then once you know from there, then you could go out there and get the pieces to surround those guys. I think that's what we're going to see from the D-backs this year with the Corbin Carrolls of the world, some of those rotation starters. Like, you're just trying to figure out What's the actual ceiling and potential of these young guys that you've been hyping up, these heralded prospects that you've been hyping up? Because if these guys for both the Orioles and the D-backs, the Corbin Carrolls and the Adley Rushmans, like we've been told that these guys are the next ones in line. We've been told these are all-star potential future Hall of Famers. And if these guys can't really live up to the ceiling, then got to kind of reset this whole thing for both Baltimore and Arizona. So I think they're both in a similar place where they're just trying to figure out how real is the talent of these young players before they make any huge splashes in free agency. We'll continue giving out our division winner picks, but I first want to talk to you guys about a delicious treat. That's right. I'm talking about Built Bar because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar because look, it's February. My diet's fallen off a little bit here and there. We just had waste management here in Arizona. We just had the Super Bowl, so I've been going hard the last week, but I have to get back on the grind. I have to get back on the gym, but the toughest part is eating Right, I have a sweet tooth, I have a candy craving, but listen, all that is okay when you get Bilt Bar because the thing about Bilt Bar, it tricks you. You think that you're eating a candy bar when in reality, you're actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, so it's great for a keto diet. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I love Bilt Bar. You used to have to go to Bilt.com to get them, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to pick up a giant box of Bilt Bar. So go to your near Sam's Club, grab a 13-bar box of those brownie batters, my absolute favorite, and you can thank me later. Let's go to the central. Boom. Let me see. If All I can, right. Let me see if I can predict there's something that they're doing the central. Um, let me see. I think they have Kansas City at the bottom, then Detroit, then Chicago, who last year looked like were the team to beat. Then I think they're probably saying Minnesota and Cleveland. I think they have Cleveland at the top. You were close, Sully. You just got to flip Chicago and the Twins, and you would have been spot on. Oh, Garden- really? Yeah. Oh, would- really? Oh, wow. That's surprising. And if you want to know something really surprising, Sully, it's not just you have to flip the Twins and the White Sox, but the White Sox and Guardians are actually tied for the same odds at the top of the division at plus 160. So right now, FanDuel thinks it's a coin flip for either the White Sox or Cleveland to win that division. And then, of course, that third is the Twins at plus 250. So not that far behind in the odds. But then really far behind, you got the Tigers at plus 2,000 and then the Orioles at plus 4,000. So they think the Orioles or the Royals, excuse me. So they think the Royals are basically double as bad as the Detroit Tigers in terms of odds. Okay. First of all, let me let me address. Remember a couple of years ago when the Tigers had a good second half of the season and then they, they wound up signing um, – uh, uh, Javier Baez, and they're saying, like, okay, uh, this is going to be – all right, folks. Was like last year. Yeah. yeah, remember that? And then yeah. uh, they went out and they were terrible. John Gray, I think they spent Yeah, some remember money that? Remember when that happened? I'm E-Rod. You, I'm looking at you, Baltimore. I'm looking right at you. That's what's going to probably happen to the Orioles this year. Wow. All right, the Tigers and the Angels are tied now with the longest postseason droughts 
in Ooh. Major League Baseball since last year. Both Seattle and Philadelphia made the postseason. Um, yeah, the Kansas City. Um, <laughs> Not much who, to say, probably. Hey, hope you're happy with the Chiefs. Bobby Witt. That's hope about you're happy with the Chiefs, Royals fans. Uh, they've got a bunch of young college players coming up through their system. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of years. You know, there, there's no juggernaut in that division, which is why if you're a team like the Tigers and the Royals this year, I would just take every one of your top prospects, bring them up, bring them up, see what you got, you know, get, trial by fire, put them in the major leagues, get the butterflies out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get up here. Um, I am stunned that they have the White Sox yes. basically at a dead heat with Cleveland. Now, I understand, look, at Cleveland won the division last year going away, but they won going away because they had a great September. Remember, they were tied with Minnesota the day before Labor Day. With like three or four weeks to go, Cleveland and Minnesota were in an absolute dead heat. So there was, for most of the year last year, mm-hmm. Minnesota was in first place. Now, Minnesota had a disastrous September where not only did they lose the division lead, they fell under 500. But they have that they made the, the, the risky trade, trading away a rise to, the, uh, um, to Miami. But I think that will shore up the pitching staff. They have Carlos Correa back, and I'm sure there's some sort of boost of energy that gives the team knowing that the star is back and the front office is behind them. And the Cleveland Guardians are a team that were very, very good last year. There's no get around. They won 90 some odd games and they almost made it to the league, to the uh, uh, league championship series, uh, losing game five in New York. They're a very young team. And with that comes unpredictability. This could be the foundation of a team that goes on and wins a bunch of division titles, or it could be the foundation of a team that stumbles and has some, some of their learning curve. I think Minnesota has as good a shot to win the American League Central as Cleveland does, and I think Chicago's a mess. They lost Jose Abreu. They have the Clevenger controversy. They have a brand-new manager that no one knows what heads or tails in. You're not sure what you're going to get out of Tim Anderson this year. I mean, this team, I, I, it wouldn't stun me if the White Sox don't finish above 500. Now, this could be in one of those freezing cold takes that you see floating around Twitter from time to time. But right now, I think Minnesota and Cleveland are in a dead heat. And I'm picking Cleveland because I like their pitching more. But I think Cleveland's an 87-88 win team. And I think Minnesota's like an 85 win team, which means... It doesn't take much to have it turn one way or the other, but I think Chicago's an out and also ran. I totally agree with you. This is one where I'm like, the Chicago White Sox are not a very good team. I don't like them at all because, like you mentioned, not just Tim Anderson, basically their whole their whole outfield is just a bunch of question marks where it's a whole lot of tantalizing talent, but will that talent ever be able to stay on the field and play an actual 120 games together? Because if you thought Byron Buxton was a guy that always got hurt, go look at the games played log of like the Eloy Jimenez's and the Luis Roberts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are always hurt, and we know those guys could be potential all-star plus-plus 
players, but they're never on the field. And then the Tim Anderson too, like when the core of your lineup, you can't guarantee at least a half a season from it's hard for me to believe in you and you look at that rotation they just lost jose abreu from that lineup as well who has been the heart and soul of that team yeah. you add in the mike clevenger of the world like you mentioned but you lose johnny cueto who is i probably would have rather resign cueto than a mike clevenger anyway if you look at the numbers the last couple of years cueto's been better than mike clevenger he brought in aj pollock i don't think that makes much uh moves the needle for you uh at all and they handed out their biggest free agent contract of all time this past summer do you remember who that was sully i actually don't andrew ben attendee was their largest contract they ever gave out in free agency of 15 million a dollar 15 million a year salary 75 million dollars total Absolutely crazy. I think the White Sox are easily going to finish maybe third in that division because it's hard for me to put the Tigers above them who are still paying Miguel Cabrera $30 million this season, Sully. Did you even know that? I, I think the <laughs> I, I think the White Sox are gonna finish the year like 80 and 82. I think they're if I don't not. think they're necessarily a bad team, but I don't think they're a winning team. No. You know, I think that I, I think they're gonna finish sub five hundred. Not by a lot, but by enough and and, the, and i and i don't in in a, what is a very weak division i don't see that i don't see how they could be even considered above minnesota or the or the guardians and this is not me hating the white Sox. i have a tremendous soft spot in my heart in the white Sox. but again they totally mishandled last year they should never have brought back tony la Russa. They should have fired Tony La Russa early when it was clear that it wasn't working. When it's clear a manager isn't working, sometimes that's the move. Look what happened in freaking Philadelphia last year. They had a high-profile manager in Joe Girardi. It wasn't working. Sometimes that's the move. And they yeah. should have done it last year. And eventually they they brought in Miguel Cabrera, uh, Miguel Cairo, I'm sorry, because <laughs> of La Russa's health. But they shouldn't. It should have happened in in April. Yes, and look at all the teams that fired their manager last year. They got better. The Phillies went to the World Series for firing their manager, and the Blue Jays turned around their season after firing their manager as well. The Twins, look. I know you brought up, Sully, you kind of bring up the Twins doing well, you know, in the second half of the season, being close. Like, I bring up the D-backs being within one game of the Giants in September. I don't like this Minnesota Twins team that much. I like Carlos Correa. I like Byron Buxton. But will Buxton ever put together a 162-game season? No, It's hard for me to believe that. Exactly. And that he rotation, I don't, I don't believe in that rotation either. Look at the Twins offseason. I like bringing Christian Vasquez. Somehow able to bring Carlos Correa back. But their other big move, Joey Gallo, like it's not like the Twins really got better this offseason either. They were a 78 win team last year, and I don't really see them getting any better. Cleveland all the way in this division. You look at that lineup, Jose Ramirez, Andre Jimenez, Polanco. They got real dudes. Quan was a beast last year as a rookie. Then that rotation is quietly one of the best in the American League with that front line duo of McKenzie and Shane Bieber. Give me the Guardians all day, every day. And if you are putting money on the White Sox at plus 160 at the tide for the same odds as Cleveland, just DM me. I will take your money directly and give you the yeah. same odds. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two. Because guess what, guys? 
We are back to five days a week with pitchers and catchers reporting this week for spring training. So that's right. Lockdown Diamondbacks, your team every day. We're back into it. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. For your second listen, listen to the Lockdown MLB Prospect Show with host Lindsey Crosby because he's a prospect encyclopedia breaking down the stars of tomorrow. As always, come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks News Coverage Insight Part 2 where we continue picking our American League division winners. Then we'll probably start the NL version of that as well. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Deuces.